0: Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. Good morning. Good morning. morning. All right. You're with me. Good morning. Hey, um... Well, I guess I'll start... Good morning. Uh, I'll start out by saying uh, my name's Kevin Twombly. I am the, the pastor down at the Pembroke campus of Grace Capital Church. Uh, pastor Mark and I decided to play kind of a uh, shuffle-the-deck flip-flop game today. And so he's down in Pembroke today, and, and I'm here with you in Laconia. Um, I met someone this morning. And they said they have been coming here for a couple of years, and they asked me, like, how long have you been coming, too? And I said, it's been, wow, 19 years that's uh, been part of the church. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I love being part of Grace Capital Church because we're not about ourselves. We're about reaching out and about connecting with others and sharing this hope that we have within us. And so this morning, I'm, I'm glad to be with you this morning. I'm, I'm glad to be with you and to be able to share the hope that's within me. Hopefully, um, you know that hope, but if you don't, you're in the right place to hear about that hope. That hope is Jesus Christ. So, We've been um, going through our Anchored series, and this is the, the fifth week of our Anchored series, the fifth and final week of the Anchored series. And so um, we started the first week talking about how uh, God's promises, and we said God's promises are always, always. God's promises are always, always. Some of you, if you were here, you remember uh, the, the different promises, different scriptures that were read out. Different promises from God for you. Anyone hold on to some of those promises? And anyone have some of them underlined or highlighted? Or you, maybe you've got that, uh, like a sheet with, with some of them written down and you're keeping it on your refrigerator or maybe on your dashboard. Different promises from God. I know for me, there are, there are promises that I'm holding on to. There are, there are things that God has said that I know God will do because God is not a liar. Everything that God says is true. And if he's promised that he would do some things, it's done. It's kind of crazy to think about it. God works beyond space and time. You know, we're limited by, well, it's 1121 right now. We're limited by space and time. I can't be in one, more than one place, and I can't be in more than one time. God works outside of the realm of space and time. It talks about in Scripture where um, a thousand days or a thousand years is like a day. With the Lord. And a a day is like a thousand years. You know, the space time continuum, blown when you're in God's time. The things that God has spoken, one thing that you can be sure of, one thing that you can know, the things, the promises that He has spoken, they're already done. They're already completed. Now, within our time frame, the limited time frame that we have, We need to understand there are promises that he spoke that we need to just keep holding on to to see them come to fruition because they will. Because his promises are true. He cannot lie. So we had God's promises. We talked about uh, the veil being torn a couple weeks ago and all access pass. No longer do we have to have an intermediary you know, someone in between that, that speaks to God and works on our behalf for forgiveness. When Jesus, when he died on the cross, the curtain, 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, four inches thick, was torn from the top to the bottom, opening up the Holy of Holies, opening up the inner court, the, the, the inner place within the temple where only the high priest could go open that up, so symbolizing and really saying to us it's now you and me you can come directly to me the, the, the beauty of that picture just understanding so much that, that God wants to hear from you, God wants to hear your requests, he also wants to hear like the, the celebrations the, the, the things that are going on in your life, he, he doesn't want a wall up between the two of us between God and man. He wants it wide open and he wants to be in relationship with us again. And the act that Jesus lived out by dying on the cross, that perfect sacrifice once and for all, because sin and holiness cannot be together. Our forgiveness because of Jesus and his crucifixion, his death, but then his resurrection, he defeated death once and for all. And because of that, we have forgiveness once and for all, that one final perfect sacrifice so that we can have intimate relationship with Jesus, with God again. It's a beautiful picture. Today, we're going to talk more about the hope that we have, not just for our own life, this hope for eternity, but also hope for others. I, I want to start by sharing a story, sharing um, just something that took place down at our Pembroke campus. Every year we take part, uh, we, we partner with In Town Concord. It's a, an organization to try and you know, breathe life into downtown Concord. Right now there's not a lot of life in downtown Concord. And every year we part, uh, participate in Concord Market Days. Where they close off Main Street and all these vendors show up and the businesses right on Main Street set up tents and there's food and there's bouncy houses and all kinds of fun stuff for kids. Every year we go out there and we have our tent set up and we've got this spinning wheel that you can spin, you know, step right up, take your chances. They spin the wheel and what we do is when it lands on something, we oh great, you won some cheap junk. Here you go. And for for the past several years. They spin the wheel, and we give them cheap junk. The Happy Meal toy stuff, you know? Moms, dads, you ever buy a Happy Meal for your kid? Mom, mom, I want, I want the Happy Meal, I want the Happy Meal, I want the, because they want that little prize, because it's the best thing ever. And they open it up, and they play with it for like 30 seconds, and then it's lost under the car seat, or maybe thrown in the bottom of the toy box, or if you're a parent like me, they go into the trash very quickly. Uh, But that's year after year. That's what we did: is we handed out cheap, Happy Meal junk, the toy stuff that didn't really matter and didn't. And so every 30 seconds, we'd be giving free stuff away to people. Spin the wheel. Here you go. Spin the wheel. Here you go. Great seeing you, Grace Capital Church. We give cheap junk. This year, we determined that we weren't going to give away cheap junk anymore. This year, we determined that instead of our tent with the banner on the back side, with a table, and people come to us. This year we decided that we were going to take the banner and put it on the front end of the tent. The tent's closed. Not trying to rebuild a veil, you know, keeping the Holy of Holies pure, but decided that we would put that banner up on the front of the tent, and it would just be a home base. A home base where we would keep coolers full of ice and cold water. Bottles of water. The the woman beside us as we were setting up Thursday morning, uh, she turned to me and she said, "Sweet sweetheart, um, I think you're doing it wrong," because she was setting up her you know kettle corn and everything. And you know you want you want people to come in. I said, "No, no, actually, we don't. We want to go out to the people." And so this year, instead of waiting for people to come to us, people from our Pembroke campus just would show up wearing their I Heart New Hampshire T-shirts and they'd throw a backpack on, and they'd load up with bottles of cold water, and they'd walk out talking to the vendors, talking to the people that were serving, talking to the people that were walking the streets, and just, hey, I'm, I'm Kevin. I'm from Grace Capital Church. Would you like a free bottle of water? And just handed out water. We gave away over 1,500 bottles of water in those three days, and it was hot. So it was, that, was, that was a gift that we were giving away, because everyone else wanted to charge, you know, three bucks or five bucks for a fresh squeezed lemonade or something. And we were just giving water away. There were lots of conversations, there were there were lots of interactions, some good, some bad. You know, some positive, some not so positive. You know, hey, I'm Kevin from Grace Capital. Would you like a free bottle of water? Yeah, sure. Thank you. There you go. Enjoy it, man. Have a good day. And then off you go. Others, you know, hey, I'm Kevin, I'm from Grace Capital. Would you like a free bottle of water? No. I hate water. <laughs> okay have a good day. (laughs) Well, water loves you. Um, Yeah. There there were different conversations that we had. There was one in particular that I had. I was walking down the street and there was a woman walking towards me and I just walked up, had the bottle of water already out of my bag in my hand. I said, hi, I'm, I'm Kevin from Grace Capital. Would you like a free bottle of water? No, I, I hate God. I don't want your water. Ever want to share your faith with someone? Ever, ever want to, like the hope that's within you, you want to share it with others? You, you, want to, you want to be able to tell people what God has done in your life? Has anyone had anything significant done in their life by God? Awesome. You ever want to share that with people? You ever want to talk to people? And yet, somehow maybe you have a negative interaction with someone. I hate God and I don't want your water. Does that put a little fear in you? You know, I, I don't know if I want to reach out to another person because, you know, they're going to shut me down. They're, they're going to just going to, maybe they'll think different of me. You know, the, it'll, it'll get awkward. The relationships with, uh, that you have with your neighbors, with your friends family members, co-workers, your classmates, if you're in school, different people that you interact with. And as you interact with them, it's, you know, well, you know, if if I tell them about Jesus, if I tell them about what God's done in my life, maybe maybe they'll receive the message, but probably not we instantly go to the negative. We instantly go to the pessimistic side. You know, well, I know if, if, I, if I share my faith, if I, if I share what's going on in my life, I, I know what's going to happen. They're, it's just going to get awkward. They're going to think different of me, and they're, they're probably going to start avoiding me. And maybe there are cases where that happens. You know, it, maybe that happens sometimes. But that fear should not keep you from faithfully living out who you are and sharing what God has done in your life. Now, I, I say that, and I also say, don't be that awkward guy that's always kind of throwing the Jesus juke in there. You know, any conversation, you're instantly starting to change it and you, because you want to work. You know, i got to work the gospel into this conversation. You know, we're talking about basketball, you know, the, uh, the Celtics. Yeah, the, the Celtics, and, you know, they're, they're playing, and, you know, oh, you know, Larry Bird was the greatest player ever. Oh, yeah? Well, you know, if Jesus played basketball, he'd be the best ever. Yeah, like you 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 know oh you guys are going swimming? Cool, I like swimming. You know Jesus walked on water. Like were you just throwing out those like random facts, trying to like I've got to work Jesus into this conversation somehow. Some conversations you don't have to work Jesus into. Don't try so hard. But you have a story. God has done something in your life. Share that. Share that with people. Relate to people where they're at. Don't Go the Jesus juke. Because if we believe that Jesus is the anchor to our life, the anchor that holds our life, and he's the one and only anchor, why is it that we have a hard time sharing? Why, what keeps us from, from sharing our faith? I, I want to get a little interactive. Yell, yell something out. What keeps you from sharing your faith? And you're going to have to just yell it out because I can't see a thing up here. These lights are bright, though. So yell something. What keeps, someone over here, what keeps you from sharing your faith with people? Friendships. Friendships? Okay. Fear of rejection. Fear of rejection? <laughs> I can't see you, but... Not finding the words. Not finding the words, okay. Not having the right words to say. Over here. I see you in the peach shirt. It's like the, 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 the glow of heaven is shining on you. So... <laughs> Anyone over here? Any, any reason why you wouldn't share your faith? What keeps you? Politics. Politics. Yeah. Okay. So we've got these different things that keep us from sharing our faith. We've got these different resistors, these, these excuses that we use to, to not share our faith. It's interesting when I think about this. You know, if, if, if we say that Jesus is the anchor... If, if you were if you were following the anchored series, the theme. If you were stranded at sea, you know you're you're on the Titanic. You know, one moment you're king of the world, and now you're in the water, and you're bobbing along in the water. And there's a life raft, and you're holding on to the rope that holds that life raft. And you're bobbing in the water, and there's people all around you that are bobbing in the water too. And they're like, this is going to go bad for a lot of people, but you know it's good for me. Because I've got the life raft, I'm holding on to the rope. But you're holding your hand like down under the surface of the water so no one can see that you have anything worthwhile sharing with them. You know what I mean? Because we do that, don't we? I'm just bobbing along here, and I've got the hope of the world. But I'm keeping it below the surface, and I'm not going to show it to anyone. Where really, our hand should be up out of the water. And man, there's, there's enough rope here for everyone people, come here. Let let me share this hope. Let me share this rope with you. Let Let me show you the way to survive, to live. That's what we have with Jesus Christ. That's the relationship that we have. That's the hope. That's the anchor for our soul that Jesus did once and for all, everything necessary to be reunited, to be restored, to be reconciled with God. And we hold the rope down under the surface and don't allow others to to, to learn of this and to hear about this. I'm I'm sure we've all at some point felt as though we need to share Jesus with someone, and yet we haven't. You know, maybe maybe we feel like that's the pastor's job. Well, I'll just invite him to church and, you know, hey, pastor, do your thing. That's what we pay you for. Do, do Do your preach thing. Go speak and talk to them about Jesus. Do do that. Maybe, maybe we maybe we think, well, I'll just I'll leave this up to someone that's more spiritual. You know, someone someone more spiritual can answer the questions. Because if, if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer, you know, I, I'm not going to be any help to them. I want I wanna I, I, I wanna just talk about that for one moment. You may not have the answers when people ask questions. Guess what? There's a lot of days where I don't have the answers either. It's okay for someone to ask you a question and you not have the answer. Say, I don't know. You know what? Everyone with me, on the count of three, say, I don't know. I didn't count to three yet. No gold stars for any of you. One, two, three. I don't know. I don't know. It's a freeing statement. The next follow-up to that is if someone's asking you a question about God and you just don't have the answer for it, I don't know. But you know what? This week I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a little time and I'm I'm gonna do a little research and I'm gonna find that information out. And when I find that information out, I'm gonna get back with you. We're gonna sit and we're gonna have, excuse me, we're gonna have coffee. And when we have coffee, we're gonna talk and I'll share you the answer that I that I found out. Okay? You know what that does? One, it frees you to not feel like you have to have... None of us are the Bible answer, man. I think there's only one guy with that title, and I don't think he has all the answers either. So we don't have to have all the answers, but we can leave people by saying, you know what, I, I care enough about you that I'm going to find out the answer to your question, and then we'll get back together and talk. That's establishing a relationship with someone and pouring into them and saying, I care about you, instead of, I don't know, that's, that's a tough question. Um, bye. Bye. Uh, being able to say, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll find out for you. And we'll talk again. Maybe you just wanted to, you know, you, you just wanted to wait for the right moment. You know, I'll just, I'm just going to wait for the right moment. You know, that, where, where Jesus, you know, can come into the conversation. Maybe, maybe you throw out the statements when, when someone at work is going through a hard time, and you just kind of, oh yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll pray for you. And then you go back to your desk, or you know, go back to eating your sandwich at lunch or something. I'll just pr- I'll pray for you, and maybe you're hoping that well, you will. What's this prayer thing? Who do you pray to? What? You're hoping that ant- you know questions start coming to you because you threw that statement out, or someone says you know, hey, oh, yeah, we're going to the 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 movies after. You want you want to go with us? Ah, oh, no, I'm going to church, hoping that maybe they'll you know you go to church. Where do you go to church? And you, you, you throw these kind of soft launches, these little softballs out, hoping that someone's going to take a swing. And, and you can go, yeah, now I got to talk about Jesus. And so we throw out these little soft things. What if people are actually looking for the anchor and we have the answers, but we aren't sharing it? Instead, we're waiting for them to ask us about our faith. And so we're just waiting for the right moment. Have you ever been there? where you feel like you should talk to someone about Jesus, you feel like you've got something to share, and yet you don't? Anyone? Just me? Joe's been there. Everyone say, hi, Joe. Okay, we're, we're, we're in like Overcomers Anonymous right now, except now you all know Joe, so it's not anonymous anymore. We can't beat ourselves up for the missed opportunities, the, the, the what-ifs, but we can do something about it. We can't beat ourselves up for the what-ifs from the past. What if I had shared with that person who was going through, you know, I saw him walking down the wrong road. What if I had shared with them then? What heartache could they have been saved from? We can't beat ourselves up for those, but we can do something about it. And I guess the bigger question is, should we do something about it? If we truly believe that you and I need to be anchored to Jesus to get through life, and if we truly care about our, our friends, our family members, our co-workers, classmates, why would we not help them anchor to Jesus by sharing Jesus with others, by sharing Jesus with them? Take out the whole theological debate. You know, some, some would say, well, you know, within the Bible, it says you know, there's, there's a predestined number. And, you know, if you're not predestined, then it doesn't matter. You know, thinking that we don't have to say anything about Jesus because the people that are supposed to come to Jesus are just going to, like, one day wake up and the light bulb goes off. and I found Jesus. I think if I were to survey through this room and ask, how did you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ? For the majority of you, your response would be something in the way of, well, there was this person that shared their faith with me. There was a person that invited me to go to church or to a life group or to a Bible study. There was a person that invited me to come to some event where I heard the good news and I responded. There are people drifting all around us. There are people drifting about in life all around us and we should be helping them get anchored to Jesus if we truly care about them. Is it our place to connect people to Jesus? Or do they just find, them, find their way themselves? Do, you know, do we just, well, well, that person's really lost. I'll, I'll think about them tonight when I pray. How did you get anchored to him? Chances are there was another person involved. And now, because you are anchored to Jesus, you have the opportunity to do the same thing for someone else, to be able to share your faith, to be able to share this hope, this anchor with others. I think we've had those feelings at times, You know that we should have shared Jesus with someone, but we haven't. But we can't beat ourselves up. Maybe it starts by changing our view about sharing Jesus. Maybe we need to stop waiting for the right moment and realize that the right moment is waiting for us. We sang the song at the close of the worship set this morning. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Do you really mean that when you sing that? Lead me where my trust is without borders. Lead me where this is going to get uncomfortable. Lead me where I'm going to reach out to someone and I don't know whether they're going to respond in the positive or the negative, whether they're going to be affirmative to what I say or whether they're going to be like, beat it. Get out of here. Leave me alone. I hate God and I don't want your water. Lead me where my trust is without borders that we would respond to the Holy Spirit as he leads us and guides us to speak with so many people all around us. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to the book of 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 2, I'll give you a minute to turn there. Bibles or phones, if you've got, you know, the, the Bible app on your phone, go ahead and turn there. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 10. We good? I hear pages turning. First Peter is towards the back. If you've got a good Bible, it's on page uh, 1015. First, first Peter, I've been called worse. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, 9 and 10, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Think about that. We're called to be a kingdom of priests. We're called to share because we once were in that darkness. We're called now to speak life and and, and speak light into the darkness in other people's lives. A priest is one who's called to be a bridge, a bridge or a link to God. And we know that no one comes to God except through Jesus. No one comes to God except through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Those are the red letters. That's Jesus' own words. So now back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. We've been there for five weeks now, so that one should be an easy one to find. Hebrews chapter 6. I just want to point out verse 20 in Hebrews chapter 6. This is where it, this, the scripture's talking about how Jesus went um, in, in um, well, the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We're called to be like Jesus linking people to God, linking people to the Father's heart. But we need to do this through Jesus, because Jesus is the anchor. Just pointing people to the rope, speaking about the hope, speaking about Jesus, pointing them to him. We can look at how Jesus lived, kind of as a model for us today, and we can see how, how, how we should love people and, and share Jesus with people, helping them to get anchored to Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 5, if you go back just one page, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. I think we'll have verses 7 through 10 up on the screen, but starting with verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 5, it says, For every priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, After the order of Melchizedek Verse 7 up on the screen here In the days of his flesh Jesus offered up prayers and supplications With loud cries and tears To him who was able to save him from death And he was heard because of his reverence Although he was a son He learned obedience Through what he suffered And being made perfect He became the source of eternal salvation To all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, I know that some of you may have the question, like, what does this mean, this order of Melchizedek? Who is Melchizedek? We read about it several times, about this guy, about this priest, but who is he? So I don't want you to get distracted by that question. So just talking about Melchizedek for just a couple moments. In Genesis chapter 4, there's a, a story where Abraham has just defeated the four kings and he's rescued Lot. And and he's rescued Lot from their hand. And, and he, he comes into, he's returning back into the land. And Melchizedek is the priest. Melchizedek um, says uh, in Genesis chapter 14, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave a tenth of everything. It's interesting, in this short account, we, we can hear about uh, Melchizedek, we can hear about this priest blessing Abram, and we, we hear that Abram's response to this priest's blessing is to give a tenth of all that he had. What's really interesting is to to, to understand that this happened 430 years before this, like the priestly regulations were, were introduced. 430 years before it was spoken about giving a tenth, about tithing, about sharing what you have with others. Going into Hebrews chapter 7, it talks more about Melchizedek. It talks more about, um, it, it's interesting, there's, there's no genealogy with Melchizedek. His, his name means, you know what genealogies are? you know, the, like a family line, the, the stories, maybe in the, in the front end of your Bible, that as you're reading through the Bible reading plan, you know, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, and sometime around the end of January, beginning of February, you might get into, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and on and on and on, and names you can't recognize or read or, or speak, and maybe that's when you stop reading the Bible for the year because like I don't understand this or this doesn't like who cares about these family lines well something very interesting to understand first Melchizedek his name means king of righteousness it also means king of Salem or king of peace he's the king of righteousness and the king of peace he's without a father or a mother he's without genealogy without beginning of days or end of life Like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. That's in Hebrews chapter 7. There's a lot of mystery that surrounds this priest. There's a lot of mystery, but the one thing that we can know is that this priest, Melchizedek, he followed in the same flow as Jesus. He lived life similar to Jesus. Without these records, one could say that he has always and will always exist, known as both the King of Righteousness and the King of Peace. These names are descriptive of who he was. It's interesting that we find also descriptive of Jesus himself. So if you're going to link people to Jesus in a healthy way, a way that doesn't get weird, a, a, a way that, that draws people into relationship with Jesus, I, I think we need to learn from Jesus how he himself lived. And how he himself ministered to others. In verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 5, we can read that Jesus offered up prayers of supplication with loud cries, with tears, and he was heard. The the first question that I need to ask, the first question that we need to ask ourselves are we praying for our friends who are lost? Are we praying for our family members, our coworkers, the people that you go to school with? Are you praying for them, for their lives? Not just praying like, you know, uh, you know Jesus help Bob, but like pouring your heart out, crying out, God, would you save them? Would you use me to do whatever it takes, God, to, to be able to speak truth? Give me words of wisdom. Give me insight. Give me discernment into their life that I could speak into their life. God, use me however you need to, to save Bob. Are we crying out? Have you ever been so burdened? Have you ever been so burdened by the way someone that you love is living, that it literally breaks your heart? You pray for those people and you cry out to God. The next thing that we see in verse 7 is we see who had the power to save him from death. We see who had the power to save Jesus from death. Do you realize, do we realize that people without Jesus not only live a life of hell now, but will live a life in eternal hell? Remember, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If Jesus makes that statement, he's saying without Jesus in someone's life, they're destined for hell. Are we okay with looking at maybe the the guy that works across the the room from from us or the woman in the drive-thru or our neighbor that we borrow his snowblower every winter? The kid that sits beside you in lunch or in study hall Are we okay with saying, you know, go to hell? Are we okay with that? Because when we choose not to share our faith with someone, that's the message we're sending. I'm good. I got Jesus. Sorry you don't. But I'm set. I think our heart needs to break more and more for those who, whose lives truly are destined for hell without a life-giving, life-saving relationship with Jesus. That should hurt a little. That should hurt us. That should, that should be a kick in the pants. Life and death is at stake. In the scripture, we also hear because of his reverence, Because of his reverence. This speaks of understanding that God has the power over life and death. And he has the power to break every chain. Break every chain that holds the keys. Break every chain. Jesus, after dying on the cross, he held the keys to death in the grave. He himself holds the power, has the power. So how do we do this? Do we, do, we, do we walk up to strangers and start sharing Jesus with them? Like after service today, do we just all just form a mob, walk down the side, like, there's one, get him," And we share Jesus with them? Is that how we do it? it? If the Holy Spirit leads you to do that, maybe not there's one, get him. but if the Holy Spirit leads you to talk to a stranger out on the street, Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and speak to the stranger out on the street. But most of the time, God's already put people in our lives, people in our lives that that we can share. We can share Jesus with. We can start with our family and our friends. There's already kind of this built-in level of trust because you're in relationship with them. Here's here's how. And it's modeled through Jesus' life. Start with prayer. Prayer. Start with prayer. Deep, heartfelt, call-out-to-God prayer. God, please use me to help Bob. Start with prayer. That's number one. Number two, a humble posture. In Hebrews 5.2, we can see Jesus had a humble posture. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Jesus himself chose to empty himself and become just lowly like us. He chose to empty himself that we would be humble, that we would recognize our own weakness and our own frailty. And it's because of God that we have eternal life. A humble posture, gently, because we're weak ourselves. We're not better than others. You don't have it all together. Turn to the person beside you. Turn to the person beside you and just say, you don't have it all together. Corey, you don't have, don't have it all together. Now, turn to that same person and say, neither do I. Let's not get full of ourselves. Let's not get cocky. We don't have it all together. And that's why we need Jesus all the time as well. We also need to be willing to go the distance. We need to be going, uh, willing to go the distance with people. If you open the door for someone, you need to walk through that door with them hear me on this. We were not called. The Great Commission didn't say, go and make converts. It said, go and make disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples. That means that when you share the gospel with someone, you should be willing to go the distance with them. You know what? What you just did, what you just prayed, the decision you just made, that's a life-changing decision. And there's a whole lot of questions you're going to have. There's a whole lot of life that you're going to need to figure out. And I'm willing to walk with you. Maybe you sit down with them weekly with your Bible and their Bible. And you just talk about Scripture. You talk about Jesus. You talk about a, a changed life. You journal with them. We've got some great discipleship resources that we can put in your hands. That you can walk people through. Just foundational stuff. Foundational truth about this relationship with God. There's a great opportunity for people to know, like the, their identity, your identity, my identity, completely changed when I realized how much God loves me. And when others learn how much God loves them, it completely changes their life. When you realize how loved you are, be willing to go the distance. Be willing to go the distance with people and invest in their lives. I'm not talking about you know street evangelism, we're just, you know, all right, awesome. You gave your life to the Lord. We we got 20 people saved, folks. Awesome. Where are they tomorrow? We need to. Before we count any number, we better know a name. Before we count any number, we better know a name so that we can continually follow up with people. Maybe you're gonna be out on the street and you're gonna share the gospel. Your your role is to also connect them. Maybe you're in a foreign country. I am not talking negatively about missions and evangelism in missions. But I want to strongly encourage you if you do evangelism out in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, you better connect with a local church where you can connect those people to that local church so that they can grow in their faith with God. It's not about numbers. It's about names, and every life matters. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead us. Linking people to Jesus is not so you can get extra points with God. Linking people to Jesus, connecting them in a relationship with Jesus, isn't brownie points for you. It's out of obedience to Him. It is fulfilling that great, commandment, the great commission to go and make disciples. If you're praying, keeping humble, willing to go the distance, God is going to use you. Stop waiting for the right moment to have the conversation. Stop waiting for the right moment to have the conversation. Starting the conversation begins the right moment or becomes the right moment. So market days. This woman was walking towards me. I had my water. Hi, I'm Kevin. I'm from Grace Capital Church. Would you like a free bottle of water? No, I, I hate God and I don't want your water. Brushed by me. And I turned. Me too. At least at one time I did. And I stood there and shared with her about the rough time in my life where a friend of mine, very close friend of mine passed away, had cancer and he died. And I hated God. And I didn't want anything to do with God. And I walked away from Him. Completely disavowed any desire of relationship with God. And I said that to her, spoke that to her. That turned into a conversation where we sat on a park bench Main Street in Concord. She asked questions and I gave her some answers. I said, I don't know, a couple times. That was on Thursday. On Friday morning, I got into my office and checked my email, and she had found us through the website. Dear Pastor Kevin, you offered me a bottle of water. No one can understand the significance of that simple act. I've hidden myself, I've hidden my shame thoughts that I had about myself because of things that I did kept me from feeling like I could ever be cared about. A bunch of very bad things happened to me many years ago. It caused me to hate God. When I pushed you away yesterday, it was because you represent God and I hated him. When you said that there was a time that you also hated God and yet now you're out on the street handing water to people and talking to them about how much you love God, That was almost too much for me to handle. The fact that you were able to speak to me in a way that let me know you knew how I felt. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to sit on a bench and answer some some of my questions. Thank you for being real. Thank you for not judging me, but instead having compassion for me. When you prayed for me, it was like you knew me. The words that you spoke were all true, and you addressed things I've never told anyone. I used to hate God. Now I'm giving him a chance. I've cried tears for years, but today my tears are full of joy. I know that God loves me. I know that he has a plan for my life. I know that he will help me repair a lot of my past. Thank you for taking the time. Scripture talks about choirs of angels singing in heaven when one lost sinner returns home. Parties in heaven. Parties in heaven. Literal raves. Black lights, glow sticks, neon fluorescent. There's parties in heaven going on when people say yes to Jesus. They return home. They give their lives back to God. Imagine the parties. Imagine the parties that would take place if each of us saw our responsibility to pour our lives out for others, share our faith, speak truth and hope and life to people all around us, people that we're already connected with, that we would become evangelists, not just so we could say, I'm an evangelist. I see that hand, brother. But that we would share the truth and the hope and the life that is Jesus with them and give them an opportunity to respond the parties in heaven that would be thrown on behalf of those people because they said yes to Jesus. Imagine the part that you can play in that. Imagine the role that you have being able to share what Jesus did in your life and being able to speak that out to someone. People would stop drifting. People would have an anchor for their life and the lives, their lives, would be changed for all eternity. Corey, can you come here for a minute? Stand right up here in the bright lights. Just don't look up because you'll go blind. <laughs> Trust me. i want to role play for a minute. This is what it can look like. Corey, man, we've been working together for a while. And, man, I, I just want you to know, this week, God's just placed you on my heart. I've been praying for you. And I, I, if, if at any time you'd ever want to talk, you know, it's, for me, myself, I, I, I lived my life my own way. And I did a lot of things that were foolish. And my life ended up kind of in a, in a bad place. But someone told me about Jesus. Someone talked to me about a different way of life that I could live. And I said yes to him. And when I did, it was like everything completely transformed in my life. Now, there's still struggles that I have. There's still problems that I have to deal with. But I have a hope now. That, that things can work out, things, things can be better. And I, and I see some of the days, you know, at the end of the day, you look like you just, you know, want to go postal. You know, you just want to start busting up, you know, sue from accounting and, you know, I, I, I know what that's like, I've been there. If at any time you'd ever want to sit and talk, I would love to be able to, you know, let's grab a coffee after work or, I don't know, whatever you want to drink and we'll grab that after work and we can just sit and talk. But I I want you to know that that I I care about you. I care about you more than just our work relationship. I I care about you in the sense that God's just placed this love for you in me. And I I, I want you to know about God. Thank you. (laughs) If God has done something in your life, you have a story to share. And you can share your story with someone. You can just just go there. Now, some people are going to say, look, I've heard the whole God thing before. Just leave me alone. But others are going to look at you and say, man, I can't keep doing this the way I've been doing it. And they're going to respond. Imagine the parties in heaven. Imagine the parties in heaven and the part you get to play in throwing that party. Two little bits of homework for you. If you've got a notepad, go ahead and write it down. If you've got a phone, which is like all of you probably, maybe jot, jot on the notepad, text it to yourself, whatever. Who are you going to be praying for this week? Who are you going to be praying for this week? Not just, you know, God bless Bob, but heartfelt cries to God. Who are you going to be praying for this week? And who are you going to take out to coffee, take out for coffee this week? Who are you going to invite to spend some time and talk? Stop waiting for the right moment to have the conversation. Start the conversation and it becomes the right moment. I'm going to pray for you. The worship team is going to come up, play a song. Father, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for the life that you have given us. This true life, this abundant life that you've given us. And Lord, I pray for each person here this morning, Lord, that they would not just experience that life for themselves. They would see, they would understand, they would recognize that it is not about them at all. It's about glorifying you. And our response for the life change that we've experienced, our response in glorifying you is to share this hope, share this life with others. God, I pray that each person here would, would be able to kill the fear that holds them back. They would be able to speak life to others. Because you've done something in their life, Lord, you've given them a story. Lord, that they would be faithful to share their story with someone that they know. God, and as they do that, Lord, that they would just trust that you're going to do what you need to do in that situation. God, we pray this dangerous prayer. Show me what you want me to do and help me to live it out.